0: Good morning, and welcome to all of you that are here live, and to those of you who are watching at home. I say God is good, you say all the time. God is good? All the time. Hey, that's not bad. Uh, Now I want you to turn, you don't need to turn the lights on, Eva, but now I'd like for you to turn to three people, not more than five, who are around you, and just give a wave, say welcome. They're not going to hear it or know it, but you could even say, Uh, don't like your outfit, whatever, just make it look like you're saying welcome. So turn and wave to two or three people around you, not more than five. Really good to have you. You at home as well. You can do the same. If you're watching by yourself, wave to your pretend friends. Um, This is the fourth week in a series of conversations that we have called Ingredients for a Better You. In this series, we've been looking at the recipe for real self-improvement. And as our guide, we've been looking to the ministry of Jesus and his process in developing people. What did Jesus do to train his followers? What ingredients did he use? And we've taken those as our guide for our own improvement because God's in the business of making us the best version of ourselves. By the way, underneath everything that we have said so far, there's been an assumption and and we need to spell it out. So... Uh, Here it is. Jesus established an atmosphere within his ministry, not of of hanging out, not of doing religion in some vague way. Jesus established an atmosphere of training. He was taking his disciples somewhere. He was intent on their growth and their development. And it was more than, than just knowledge, although there was some of that. He was pushing them toward a deeper connection with God, an enlarged capacity to care for others, to share God's love with others. And the same is true for us today. Uh, you may remember that Mark summarized, some of you know this, we touched on it a few weeks ago. Mark summarized Jesus' invitation to that first group of followers at the very beginning of his biography. In, in Mark 1, uh, he summarized it like this. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm I'm going to train you how to reach people and how to help people. And then later on in the ministry, Matthew records that Jesus told the same group, a student is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. In other words, I'm going to be giving instruction, I'm going to be training, and you're going to be a learner. This will be an atmosphere of training. So, in these conversations, so far we've discussed three critical ingredients in Jesus' training process. The first ingredient was preparation. If you were here, you may remember, if we're going to become the best version of ourselves, we, we literally need to be prepared to be trained, to be grown. And God does that work in us. The second ingredient was teaching. Our our skills and our understanding need to grow. If we're going to be the the best version of ourselves, then we need to know the teaching of the Bible in general and the teaching of Jesus in particular. And the third ingredient in Jesus' development process was community. We need a posse. All of us, we need community. We need a posse. Uh, Speaking of which, quick commercial break. Last week, we began signups for our small groups here at Gateway. And if you're not connected to a small group, remember, you need a posse that works for you. So go to mygateway.life. If you'll go to the small group card, follow from there. You can sign up for one of our small groups. We would love to have you. We'd love to help you in your attempt to find a posse that works for you. Now, today, we're going to cover the fourth critical ingredient for a better you and a better me. And it is an atmosphere of challenge. Jesus developed his followers by challenging them. If we're going to achieve the best version of ourselves, we will need to be challenged, and we will need to seize the challenge offered to us. Today is pretty, like last week, today is pretty straightforward. Today is really a reminder for us and a charge to us. The challenges come to us, and we need to seize them. That's part of the growth process. Often when those challenges present themselves to us, our immediate reaction is is negative and pushback, but that's part of the growth process for us. We need to be challenged, and Jesus will bring it. Physical exercise is the perfect illustration of the importance of challenge, isn't it? Uh, People who work on the science of physical improvement, they call it the the principle of progressive resistance. This is how our muscles grow and are strengthened through the principle of progressive resistance. That's a fancy way of saying, in order for our muscles to grow, they have to be challenged. And in order for them to be challenged, the exercise has to progressively increase in difficulty. You can maintain your physical capabilities, relatively speaking, with a maintenance dose of exercise. But if you want to improve, your muscles have to be challenged. The weight has to get bigger. The reps have to be more. As with our physical body, so with every area of our lives, even emotionally and spiritually. We need challenge in order to grow. And this is also true of every aspect of our lives. Like parenting, if we have children, or or our career, or our health, we will need to be challenged in order to get better. That means we need to be offered opportunities to step up, out of our comfort zone, out beyond our, our typical patterns. And and we need to see those opportunities for what they are, and we need to to seize those opportunities. We need to step into them. That's our job, saying yes. Let's take a quick look at some of how Jesus did that in his ministry. So, after what was probably months of hearing Jesus teach and, and watching Jesus interact with people, their questions and their needs, watching Jesus heal them, The disciples had a a picture of Jesus' ministry, of his teaching, of of what he described as the kingdom of God, what it looks like. Then Jesus built a training exercise for his disciples. He wanted to gently push them into an opportunity to grow. And Luke describes it for us in Luke chapter 9. And I want you to see this. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. So look at this. Jesus called them together. And Luke tells us he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. All right, that's another conversation. But I have to say, when I read things like that in the New Testament, I often feel like we're just playing church. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then he gave them instructions. On the screen, I've got that in italics for you. And, and, and they went out in pairs to do what Jesus had modeled for them. We actually learned from one of the other biographies that they had tremendous success when they went. Again, Jesus was offering them an opportunity to step into something brand new, something quite exhilarating. He was offering them a challenge. All right, in in light of this topic, this challenge... It's interesting to read the very next incident in Luke's biography. And if any of you have a Bible open or if you do at home, if you continue reading in Luke chapter 9, you find that the disciples have come back from this training exercise and they are probably exhausted, but they also want to debrief with Jesus. So they try to get away for some some debriefing time, but a huge crowd followed them. And I want you to look at what happened in Luke chapter 9, Verses 12 and 13, uh, the very next incident, they, they gather and uh, this large crowd follows them. The disciples note, Jesus, what are we going to do? These people need something to eat. And ultimately, Jesus would miraculously feed this huge crowd, by the way, and it required a miracle. But look at Jesus' first impulse. Again, the disciples say, what are we going to do? Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Again, he's challenging them. In this case, he's asking them to step into completely uncharted territory. Look, we know this is true. We know that challenge is required for our growth. This is pretty obvious stuff, but still, I think accepting challenges and and stepping out into something new is often a struggle for most of us in every area of our lives, especially spiritually, even though we kind of know this principle is true, somehow we don't think about it that way spiritually. We, we're far too casual about our spiritual lives often. So sometimes even about other areas of our lives, but again, especially with our relationship with God. We have this vague idea that we should be religious, but, but many of us haven't placed ourselves in an atmosphere where we will be challenged spiritually. Honestly, I think this is one of the missing ingredients for many of our small groups at Gateway. They're very supportive places and some of them are fun, but sometimes they're not particularly challenging. We're not questioning one another to step out. We're not, we're not questioning one another's assumptions and typical patterns. We're not diving in. So why? Why isn't there more of this in our lives? Well, there are, there are probably several reasons. I mean. If you remember our topic from last week, some of us don't have the kind of community that you need in order to be challenged. But today, I want to offer two enemies of challenge in our lives that I think we need to think about because I believe they're very problematic for us. Two enemies of challenge that prevent more of this in our lives. For many of us, the first enemy of our stepping up consistently is complacency. We want to be where we want to be we want to be with who we want to be with. We want to do what we want to do. And that's not always a bad thing. I want to be with my wife Diane. That, you know, that's a that's a really good thing. But if I'm ever, if if I'm never stepping outside of my box, if I actively resist being uncomfortable, or if I resist trying something new, if I always check my political opinions with those who agree with me completely, if, if every new spiritual expression feels weird to me and I don't follow it, if, the, if I only complain to those people who I already know will coddle my point of view, if I work too hard at surrounding myself with people just like me, if I avoid stepping up to the challenge, if I never say yes to the opportunities that God offers, I will not grow. Look, many of you can look back at your own story and think of a time when you stepped into a serious, serious time of study. Or you stepped into a real, real difficult season in your life for various reasons. Or, or you, you tried something new. Someone asked and you said, okay, I'll try it. And, and you did. And you look back at that time and recognize the signs of Huge growth in your life. That was a spurt for you. We need to be challenged. And when we say no to those opportunities, often we thwart the best version of ourselves. In the same way, if every difficulty I face becomes an opportunity for me to complain and whine, instead of looking for how God might be moving, then I will not grow if, if every obstacle I face turns into an, to an opportunity to exercise my quitters gene, then I will not grow. This is, I think, is ex- exactly what Coach Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 12, and he was playing coach. I want you to read this passage with me, including those of you at home. We're going to read Romans, 10, Romans 12, 10 through 12. And I want you to notice The language that Coach Paul uses, and let's let's go old school. Just for this brief section, let's stand out of reverence for God's Word. We're going to read Romans 12, 10 through 12. Listen for Coach Paul here. Let's go. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You may be seated. Now, do you hear the coach in that charge? Never be lacking in zeal. Don't let your zeal dim. Don't get complacent. I read this uh, awesome blog this week from a a blogger named John Bloom. He was writing about spiritual complacency and he called it spiritual passivity. Listen to what he said. When we expect... I'm sorry, what we expect shapes how we respond. If we expect peace, we will resent having to fight. If we expect rest, we will resent having to to endure. If we expect leisure, we will resent having to work hard. You know, this may be the issue for most of, of us who are suburban Americans. We have organized our lives and our thinking increasingly increasingly in the direction to try to guarantee comfort for ourselves and that's what we expect at a very deep level whether we know that we've taken that on or not we have and when we expect leisure we will resent having to work hard in order to achieve the best version of ourselves we will need to be challenged and Jesus will bring it. Tough things will happen. And we will need to step up and seize the opportunity, seeing it for what it is. As we learn to expect challenge, and then as we step in to seize the opportunity presented by our challenges, we grow. I'm going to say that again. As we learn to expect challenge, and then as we step up to seize the opportunity presented by our challenges, we grow. We become better and better versions of ourselves. So look. For some of us this morning, the message we really need to hear is uh, permission to speak freely. For some of us, the message we need to hear is, "Wake up, sluggard! Your zeal is lacking. Stop being so complacent." Your Your spiritual passivity has gotten you where you are, and it ain't very impressive. Step up and step in. For others of us, the message needs to be hang in there. This season of challenge will pass, but remember, this is a good thing. Don't get overwhelmed. And for yet others of us, we need to hear, you got this, you can do this. God is in you, and he's working in this got what it takes. But for all of us, we need to be reminded that challenge is not only a good thing, it is a requirement for growth. And it's a critical part of Jesus' development process for us. If we want to be the best version of ourselves, challenge is required and Jesus will bring it. I, uh, I said there were two enemies to receiving this ingredient. First was complacency, The second enemy of our willingness to consistently seize the challenges that are offered to us is lack of faith. That's the language Jesus used, lack of faith. And what he usually meant by lack of faith was was something like one of these things. One, it's a lack of trusting that God would come through for you. Where where, where are you in this God? Or, Or it's a lack of trusting in who God has made you. Or it's an inability to see that God is at work in this challenge. feels like he's absent. Why would this be happening to me? I'm going to pause there for a second. And I, as we look at this definition, I wonder what speaks most decidedly to you and to how you approach challenges. Are, are you typically prone to a lack of trusting that God will come through for you? What if, what if he's not going to do this for me? Or for you, is it more, more often you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe in, which is a backhanded way of not believing in God's work in you. Or you're in the middle of it and, and, and you're, you're so discouraged or you're so overwhelmed, you just can't see how in the world or if God would come through for you in this. I want you to see something. We just talked about, uh, a second ago, about the incident where Jesus miraculously fed the large crowd. It's fascinating to me, if you look at that story in Matthew, and that story is, in, is covered in all the biographies, it's fascinating to me to see what, what Matthew places right after that incident in his biography. It may have occurred right after the feeding, or it may have come a while later later, Either way, Matthew arranges it so that the account that comes right after the feeding in Matthew chapter 14, the the feeding of the large crowd, Matthew gives us the incredible incident, pause for dramatic effect, of Jesus walking on water. Now, you, I I recognize that we come from different faiths place as many of us, and some of you are just beginning to tiptoe in, and you have to do whatever your faith permits you to do with that story, but I want to say, as I've said before, these guys do not record these incidences as myth. These firsthand eyewitnesses, they record these incidences as actual occurrences, and they record them with the same amazement that we feel. So, The guys are on a boat, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. In other words, they are out in the sea somewhere and they see Jesus walking on the water. At first, they think it's a ghost. I want you to look at this account. Pete, bring that up if you would. Look at Matthew, uh, at uh, verse 26. They're terrified, they think it's a ghost. Then Jesus calls out to them. And, and Peter, being Peter, says, okay, if it's really you, Lord, I want to I come. Keep scrolling, Pete. And Jesus, now in training mode, Jesus says, all right, come on. Try it, Peter. You got it in you. And, and look at verse 29 and 30. Here... Peter becomes the only human being ever recorded, other than Jesus, to have defied the laws of physics in this way. And he walks on water, and then he falters. And this is the part that really grabbed me about this story in light of this this teaching. I want you to notice Jesus' feedback. Jesus says, Where is your faith, Peter? Why did you doubt? If we take this story seriously at all, and I do, it's mind blowing. Peter is walking on water, and then he falters. And Jesus responds by saying, Why didn't you trust God fully? Why did you worry about the waves? Why did you get self-conscious about what you were doing? You have this in you, Peter. God is in you, and he's in this situation. Why can't you see that? Why can't you stay focused on that? You know, we can make an argument that one of the main points of Jesus' whole ministry was to increase the faith of his followers. In fact, at one point, the first disciples stray out, ask about this. Increase our faith, Lord, they said. I mean, they had seen what faith in God releases. It's as if God is, is wanting and, and waiting to do amazing things in us and through us, but our lack of faith becomes like a huge dam that, that holds back the flood of God's activity. Our faith doesn't make things happen, but it releases God's desire to bless us and to do things through us and in us. And these first followers saw it repeatedly, up close and personal. They saw it and they wanted more of it. Increase our faith, Lord. And Jesus' answer is very telling. Now I want you to look at Luke 17, where this passage comes from. Jesus responds by saying, Some of you have heard this little parable he offers before. Jesus says, look, basically, look, you don't need great faith. Even mustard seed faith, even the smallest amount of faith, could uproot this tree and throw it into the sea. You you don't need great faith. You just need faith, right? But what I often end up with is more like wishful thinking than faith. Oh, God, I sure hope you're up there. Or I end up with with my best ginned-up, somewhat artificial attempt at at confidence. Okay, grit my teeth. I'm going to believe this. But, But those are often not the real article. And our lack of faith, consistent, real trust in God, confidence that he's in our circumstances and, and he's working in us and, and that we, because he's in us, we have got what it takes. Our, our consistent lack of that hampers our ability to seize the challenges that are offered us. And if we want to achieve the best version of ourselves, we will need to be challenged and we will need to seize the opportunities those challenges offer us. We will need faith. Okay. Uh, before we end this morning, let's tease this a little bit to make sure we've got all that God might be saying to us. I can think of three ways that we are pretty consistently challenged. You might think of others, but at least let's noodle on these three to massage this into our, our hearts and our minds. Three ways that we're, we're challenged, that, that this applies to for us. One, sometimes we're challenged to step up to something new or to step up in some new way or into some new thing. You know, often at the time, there are those of us who are just dispositionally wired to resist that. At the time, we don't always recognize that this might be God's activity, God's opportunity that he's offering us. This could be at work, for example. We're being asked to take on new responsibilities or move to a new division. It may be scary. It might be uncomfortable for us. So what What does seizing that challenge with faith look like? What would it mean for us to know that God is at work in that circumstance? It's not just circumstance. Or maybe you've lost your job. This is a serious stretch. What would it look like for us to know that God is in that? What would it look like for us to to see him moving and to have confidence in the fact that God has us? And that we can do this, we can seize this challenge, and we can move through it, and we will grow. In your home, maybe you're going through a season of serious challenge in your home with your children, or uh, if you have children, or, or with your parents, or with your finances. You're being asked to do something or handle a set of circumstances that you just could never have imagined. I know for a fact that some of you are in this position. What would it mean for you to seize the challenge, to trust that God would come through for you, to believe in who God has made you, to know that you've got this, you've really got this, to even see that God is at work in the challenge? What would that look like? Or how about here at Gateway? Good morning, everyone. This whole year has been very challenging for us as a church, right? We've made various decisions, and I'm not sure we've always gotten it right. We're trying, and so are you. And some of us have spent this season, I'm talking to all of us, and I'm talking to those of us at home, permission to speak freely. Some of us have spent this season growing increasingly complacent. We've become passive, without without the discipline of gathering together regularly, without the exercise of occasional service, we've gotten spiritually flabby. Look, over the next few months, we're going to try to find ways to tiptoe back in. Uh, we're going we're to be safe. We're going to try to abide by our government's mandates. But the time is coming soon when we will be back together and we will need you. We will need you to step in Uh, we will need you back and in fact for many of you we're going to need you to be ready to do something new to be stretched in a new way sometimes we're challenged to step up in some new way or into some new thing are you and I ready to seize that let me offer a second one this is a little vague but bear with me a second general category, I think, of challenge is to, for us to consider would be when we're challenged to manage our life with increasing frequent. Uh, I'm sorry, with increasing freedom. I think this is pretty much always the challenge that Jesus lays before us, challenging us to manage our life with in increasing freedom. Uh, this is a constant encouragement, but sometimes he allows specific situations or events to challenge us in this direction, doesn't he? he he pushes on us toward patience. He pushes on us toward faithfulness. He pushes on us toward freedom. Let me give one example of this to help bring it into focus. Now, this isn't a real-life example. You can probably come up with some of those on your own, ways that God might have been pushing you toward freedom, toward, toward owning him more and less worry. Uh, but I'm going to give you a, a, a biblical example of how Jesus talks about this. Many of you are familiar with uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. At one point in the sermon, Jesus addresses worry as a topic. And clearly, he wants us to live a life free of worry. But look at what he says about it. Pete, give us Matthew 6, if you would, this, the section on Worry. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Keep reading there. And through this brief section, he hits on several titanic liberating ideas, right? Coach Jesus is pushing us toward more and more freedom. He suggests that worry is essentially a lack of trust in God. Specifically, he says, look, your heavenly father takes care of the birds. You're more important than that. Don't, Don't you think he'll take care of you? And then he also suggests that worry is completely unnecessary. You don't gain anything by it. Look, the lilies don't worry. It doesn't seem to hurt them. But what I really want you to see is verse 30. Yeah. Verse 30, if that, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown away into the fire, he will much more clothe you, What? You of little faith. That familiar refrain from Coach Jesus asking us to step up. In other words, I want you to live your life with increasing freedom. Step into it. In fact, this is so important for you and so much of what you want and really need that I'm going to put stress on your trust muscle until you get this. Be free. I want to give a, uh, a second category. A second category is um, those times when we are, are stretched by crisis and difficulty. I mean, a final category. Times when we are stretched by crisis and difficulty. We're challenged by crisis and difficulty. Years ago, I had the privilege of uh, being in a situation with a parent it was a pretty intimate situation—with a parent whose 15, I think, or 14-year-old daughter uh, came to this father and was tearfully, broken-hearted, complaining about um, a bullying situation at school, and it really was—it was a terrible situation. She unwound this situation, hearts broken. Father is there. Pastor Ed is there, how's he going to deal with this, and I, boom, I got a master class in parenting. At the time, my kids were late teens, early 20s, and I thought, goodness, I want to rewind my parenting years and do it over again. Uh, she, she ends this, you know, deep, brokenhearted uh, um, plea and, and a conversation about how she's being treated by a couple people at school. I want, I'm not even dad, I wanted to go over and hug her, tell her, you know, oh, it's okay, you, none of that is true, and, you know, that's all good stuff, and, oh, you're the best, and you're awesome, and I'm, I'm so sorry, give me their names, I'll go beat them up. And uh, in, instead of that, dad said, uh, you know, honey, I'm so sorry that that's happening to you. But think about this. What an opportunity God is giving you Because the rest of your life, you're going to deal with really difficult people. And and right now, at this very early stage, at 15 years old, he thinks you've got what it takes to begin learning the lesson for how to deal with really difficult people, and you're going to have to do that the rest of your life. Honey, how awesome is God, and how awesome are you in this? In other words, no victims allowed. God is in this. You got it. You got what it takes. You can do this. Think about the times that you have faced difficulty or crisis. In your health, in your relationships, in your circumstances, how have you managed? Have you been a victim? Have you nursed your bruises with self-pity, or have you seized the challenge, knowing that God is in it, that he's working, knowing that he can do it? knowing that he's got you and that you can trust him. Here's an interesting question to add. What kind of advice have you gotten from your friends? Have they encouraged you to step in and step up? Or have they simply accommodated your feelings and your tendencies? And what kind of advice have you given as a friend or a parent? Jesus often creates an atmosphere of progressive resistance for us. And if we imagine him at all, we often imagine him gently holding our hand and telling us how sorry he is for us, when in reality, he, he's often more like a strength coach, standing over us, yelling, you've got this, you can push that weight, it's in you, go! Oh, you of little faith. Because Jesus knows We do not become the best version of ourselves without challenge. Jesus established an atmosphere of training and he's still inviting us into that atmosphere. Those of us who want an atmosphere of coddle and comfort, you can try for that, but you can't have that and Jesus. One of the Critical ingredients in the recipe for our best selves is challenge. If we want to become the best version of ourselves, we will need to be challenged and we will need to step up to the challenge and seize it, all of the challenges that are offered, and see it as God's activity in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we, um, I don't know, we we admit that we have gotten this wrong many times in the way we've managed our own lives, in the way we've managed our difficulties, in the way we've managed new opportunities, uh, in the way we've, we've managed stepping up to new levels of freedom, And Lord, we also admit that we've, at times, because we don't get it right ourselves, we've given bad advice. We ask this morning that you'd forgive us. We're, We're really, you know, Lord, I'm really thankful this morning that you are not in the business of creating victims. You're building champions. You're building people who can do it, regardless of what it is. So we, first of all, we rejoice in that. We also welcome this morning as a challenge from you. I mean, some of us, Father, are in the midst of challenge right now. Internally or externally, because of a relationship, because of our finances, because of health, because of a work situation because of our parents, because of our children, or all of the above. And we, you know, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would deliver to our hearts and minds this morning the message that we need to hear, each of us. That we would wake up, and that we would trust you fully.